Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode one of our sleep podcast called Counting Sheba. For those of you who know about Ognomi, our apnea platform where patients can download an app and see a sleep medicine professional right through the app, you'll know who Sheba is, and Sheba is our virtual assistant. But with that said, I wanted to give you a little insight into what this podcast is going to be all about. We're going to cover some really interesting topics, gain some insight from amazing sleep professionals, and we want to get the information out to you, our listeners, because there are a lot of people who suffer from sleep apnea and don't understand that their symptoms are related to it, or even if you don't have symptoms, but you're concerned about how you're sleeping, you'll pick up a a lot of insight into what we're doing. For those of you who don't know about sleep apnea, it affects more than 25 million adult Americans. And there are more than a billion people worldwide with obstructive sleep apnea that need to get treated and addressed. And we hope that Ognomi is going to open up the world to the diagnosis and treatment of sleep apnea. And I am so excited to have some of the top sleep physicians in the country kind of with me today, but also working on our Ognomi platform to see their patients and to diagnose and treat their patients. So I'd like to introduce them. We have Dr. Najma Usmani, Dr. Folo Akanuzi, and Dr. Saliba Klein, who are with us today. So welcome, guys. Thanks for taking your time to, to speak with me today. Good morning. Thank you. Morning. Since we only have a little bit of time, I want to make sure we use that time properly. And I thought it'd be interesting for each of you to introduce yourselves. Tell us a little bit about how you got into the diagnosis and treatment in sleep apnea and where you're located. Dr. Usmani, you want to start? Yes. Good morning. My name is Najma Usmani, and I'm a board certified internal medicine, pulmonary critical care and sleep physician. I've done all of those at various stages of my career, but right now for the past few years, I have focused only on sleep medicine, as that is my uh, passion. I believe that good sleep is essential for a productive and happy lifestyle in many ways, and that is why I am focusing on sleep medicine as my subspeciality, and I am based in Arizona. That's great. Thank you. And Dr. Saliber Klein, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, Hi, I am based in California, and I'm a board-certified sleep physician as well with a neurology background. My practice has been exclusively sleep medicine for many years, and I got into sleep medicine through various ways. When I was little, uh, there was three kids, and my mom would take a nap every day, and she'd get a special soft toys to play with, and she would go in kind of you know, her usual self, and she would just come back like magically awake and her eyes would be bright and she'd be smiling and have energy for the day. So even at a young age, I really realized how important sleep was. And then later in residency, as we all know, when you don't get much sleep, I thought like how terrible that there are people who feel this way all the time. I know that my residency period is going to end and I'm going to be sleeping again, but there's people who spend years like this without an end. And so out of residency, I did fellowship and then specialized in sleep. And it was kind of an exciting period because sleep medicine wasn't as well known back then. And there was a lot of what we're doing right now, which is education. So it's gotten better, but there's still definitely room for more education in sleep. 
That's for sure. And I noticed that too, despite the grand rounds that I've done, the different physician workshops I've done, and we're still missing a lot of patients with this terrible disease. And I'm glad, again, you've all joined me to help spread the word. Dr. Akanuzi, who likes to go by Dr. Folu, for those of you who don't know, Dr. Folu is our chief medical officer for Agnomi, and I've known Dr. Akanuzi or Dr. Folu for a really long time, and I'm so pleased to have him with us today. So, Dr. Folu, tell us about yourself. Thank you very much. Uh, again, Folu Akanuzi, I'm here in Georgia, Atlanta, but I feel like I'm all over the country with Agnomi, and I'm a board-certified sleep medicine uh, physician as well with a background in pulmonary medicine. And my interest in sleep medicine really dates back to my residency days where I attended a seminar and I was just blown over by the presentation given by this sleep physician. And uh, coincidentally, I had a ton of people right around me who I could just tell were experiencing what the physician had presented. A friend of mine was a big time snorer. You could hear him from five rooms away. And we just knew that there was no way he didn't have sleep apnea to find that he could finally have a diagnosis. And that helped to do the SHIPA part of him. Now that we're talking about SHIPA, I felt that was SHIPA at that time. But he got diagnosed, got treated. Unfortunately, he succumbed to his anarrhythmia and uh, passed on. But that challenged me then that, oh, I wish we could have picked this up much earlier. But again, that has really, really helped to grow my passion in sleep medicine and I was very opportune to train under Dr. Rifkin uh, more than 10 years ago. And believe it or not, the roots of Ognomi date back to about that time. And many years back, the idea of providing, you know, very effective, very convenient sleep medicine care for patients all over the country and perhaps globally has been in the making. So I'm really, really excited and very glad to be part of this team. Yeah, that brings up a really interesting topic, Dr. Folu, is just the whole idea of using telemedicine to diagnose and treat sleep apnea. I mean, we've all been doing it. Unfortunately, this past year, because of the pandemic, we were somewhat forced to. But like you said, Agnomi dates back years when we started this process because we knew that it was a viable way to diagnose and treat. And maybe, Dr. Usmani, you can talk to that in a little bit more detail and, and give us some insight into that. Yes. You know, we as sleep physicians, we have known about telemedicine, but we have not actually been practicing telemedicine that much because most of us uh, have brick and mortar offices and we are seeing patients face to face. And the uh, American Academy of Sleep Medicine, they did uh, put out a position paper on the use of telemedicine for the diagnosis and treatment of sleep disorders in 2015. So we knew about it, and every year when we attend the annual conferences, they used to tell us about telemedicine being a very viable option for sleep medicine. But unfortunately, the pandemic was what has really pushed the issue to the forefront. So the American Academy of Sleep Medicine published a recent paper in the Journal of Clinical Sleep Medicine, where they expounded on the 2015 paper, but also put the 2020 guidelines. And what they have said is that telemedicine has become the cornerstone of providing healthcare in an environment that was safe for patients, providers, and staff. As we know, many states, almost all states, had lockdown and you had stay-at-home orders at various phases of the pandemic. So the one way for getting non-emergent services, medical services, was telemedicine. 
So I think that telemedicine in the year 2020 has really brought it to the forefront and, you know, made the importance of having telemedicine very um, top priority. And we know that we can do uh, very effective telemedicine services for sleep medicine. I think sleep medicine is one of the best specialities to practice telemedicine. Yeah, thank you. And, and I mean, I couldn't agree more. And I think we've, again, we've all proved it this past year uh, during the pandemic. And one of the neat things about Agnomi is that we just make that easy, right? So we make it easy for a patient to to contact a sleep professional and to engage in that care right from the get-go. So we make it easy for the patient. We take away those pain points where they don't have to go into a sleep laboratory for visits, for overnights, for things like that. They, they can do it right through the app. And we also take away the pain points for the doctors. Sometimes it's very hard to engage the patient through telemedicine and schedule a follow-up and do all those things. I mean, if you think about it, when someone's in an office and after you've seen them, you've give them a little sheet or you send something to the, to the secretary out front to get everything scheduled and everything put forward. But when you're in telemedicine, you say bye off of the DoxyMe or Zoom, and, and then that all has to be coordinated on a telephone call and the coordination can get really difficult. And again, that's what helped build Agnomi from the, the design phase to the operations phase. And we've taken out the pain points for both patients and doctors. So, you know, Dr. Saliba Klein, I, I wanted to ask you, and I did want to get into sort of the heat of sleep apnea. A lot of people don't know about sleep apnea, what it is, and we're going to have other podcasts, which we'll call deep dives into sleep apnea. But if you can just give a, just a brief overview about what is sleep apnea and how do I know if I have it? Mm, that's, that, you're right. That is a whole multiple podcast. But I think in a thumbnail, a sleep apnea is when people actually stop breathing during their sleep. And what happens is your throat just closes off and patients are trying to breathe, but no air can get in because their throat is closed off. And then that wakes them. And if it didn't wake them, there'd be all sorts of bad sequelae of not breathing for a prolonged time. So that's the thing that we want to treat. Uh, it has just a vast repercussions in the patient's lives. The most common, I think we've mentioned, is sleepiness during the day. There's disrupted sleep at night, frequent urination, certainly loud snoring often, weight gain, even increased, we've been noticing with this COVID, increased infections because disrupted sleep and sleep apnea is associated with some immune suppression. The other issues that from a neurologist standpoint, we've noticed are some cognitive. You can have mood disorders. You can have memory loss, really. If, if you have low oxygen for a long time, the sensitive areas of the brain are the hippocampus and the cerebellum. So those are the early warning systems of low oxygen. So over time, those can be a problem. It's also associated with heart disease. It's associated with strokes, high blood pressure. The list really goes on and on. So it's a very important thing to diagnose and very important to treat. And I love the idea that Agnomi makes that so much easier and faster. I used to hate the delays that patients would have from when I would make a diagnosis and maybe we couldn't get them their equipment for a long time. And they would call the office like, you've told me I have this bad thing and you're now you're not going to treat me for a while. And we would try to expedite it. And so I think you've hit upon a really important need in the sleep community. 
Yeah. And, you know, and thank you for that. And there, of course, there's so much more to talk about. I mean, we could probably have a podcast on every one of the symptoms you've mentioned. And and we probably will as we get deeper into the whole Counting Sheba podcast. But I would say, and what kind of drove me again to really pursue Agnomi, I went back to school for my master's of public health in 2018. And part of my training, I'd have to write papers and do different things that would require me to go back into the literature. And there were so many things that I learned about obstructive sleep apnea that I didn't know before. One of the, the greatest, I just did not realize how prevalent it was in the world. And how do we tackle this disease that Dr. Saliber Klein mentioned affects so many different things, weight, mood, blood pressure, heart, you know, kidneys, eyes, you know, it's, if, if we don't treat sleep apnea, we're missing out on, on treating so many non-communicable diseases. And I think when we talk about people's access to smartphones, even in developing countries, people, their sole asset may be a smartphone, believe it or not. They may not be driving cars or things like that, but there are smartphones available. And if we can address this disease through Agnomi, I think we'll all be really excited because we'll be finally tackling this, this awful disorder. Dr. Akinuzi, can you tell us a little bit about, I mean, the atypical patient? I mean, we hear about sleep apnea and like older men that snore really loudly, that wake up with a gasp and a choke or, you know, they're overweight. But, you know, I saw six patients yesterday afternoon and they were young women in their 20s, young men in their 30s, even a, even a child. So, and, and none of them had those symptoms. So tell us about some of the other symptoms of sleep apnea that patients may experience that may not realize that that's what they have. That's right. Yes, it's so important that uh, even those patients who sometimes we would not, you know, fit into the so-called typical patient would have, you know, what is really, really not a silent uh, form of this disease. They may not, you know, be the type of patient that we know stops breathing or snores loudly, but they're just tired, they're fatigued during the daytime. Many of them would say, oh, I just have this foggy, you know, feeling when I wake up. Sometimes they're thin people. Yes, we know that the bulk of our patients are the obese patients. And uh, we find a lot of patients who are not necessarily obese for so many other reasons. They are found to have sleep apnea when they get tested. And this ranges from even childhood, especially in children who are more frequently now are known or said to have ADHD. There's been a lot of correlation between those kids who are just not thriving well at school or not doing well in general in terms of their uh, level of functioning and having a diagnosis of sleep apnea. They may not snore. They may snore. They may not, but they may just be hyperactive, inattentive, and they go have a sleep study, uh, and it's, you know, it just shows clearly that they have severe sleep apnea. Now, when you look at older kids, yeah, let's even look at those who are obese but may not even have the typical symptoms, but they're just not performing well at school, you know. Unfortunately, obesity in itself is an epidemic. I think sleep apnea linked to that is a, an epidemic as well. If we have 30% of the American population being obese, you can almost translate um, that to a higher number than the 25 million that we think have sleep apnea. Many of them are atypical in the sense that they don't have the typical symptoms, but they have other things. Depression, which was mentioned by Dr. Saliba. They have fatigue. They have, you know, cognitive impairment. 
And uh, they've been to a ton of doctors sometimes trying to figure out why they're tired, why they have maybe what's called fibromyalgia or chronic fatigue syndrome. At the end of the day, after maybe a long period of time, they may fall into a sleep physician's uh, office or come to their attention and we test them and find out they have significant you know, sleep apnea. So those are even some of the patients that we worry more about who may carry this disease burden for longer than those who are the typical patients. So it's a big segment of our society or population that we have to really be paying more attention to. And that's part of what Ognomi is trying to do to create this awareness for not just the typical or garden variety patient, but the ones who may just fall through the cracks. Again, it's so common. and, And I can even just address a patient I saw yesterday that she lived alone. She was 26 years old, but she, she had no idea if she snored or not, but she just came to me because she just felt tired. And she's highly functioning. She's a medical student, actually. And she was trying to figure out why. And she's never been told that she snores loudly. But then when I asked her, I said, you know, I'll just call her Jane. I said, you know, Jane, do you get warm at night when you sleep? Well, yeah, now that you mentioned it, I wake up and the, my neck or my pajama top around my neck or my chest is a little damp or I'm throwing my feet out from under my covers. And then I asked, do you ever get like heartburn or a reflux when you're sleeping at night? She says, now that you mentioned it, I just started taking some Prilosec for, for just that. And then I said, how many times do you go to the bathroom? And she tells me two or three times. She had all these other associated symptoms, but she wasn't a loud snorer and she didn't wake up with gasping and choking. So when she went to see her doctor and she you know, brought up these symptoms, they checked her thyroid, they checked all kinds of blood work, but they didn't ask her these questions about sleep apnea. They asked her about her sleep. They asked her if she snored. They asked her if she woke up with gasping and choking, but because she answered no to those things, you know, she didn't think she had sleep apnea. So, um, you know, we'll be doing the test. I'm confident she'll have it just based on the appearance of the back of her throat. So we can also look into the airway with patients when we're on the, on the app where we can see certain features of the throat area that are risk factors for sleep apnea. In kids, we know that it's not so much weight, like Dr. Folu mentioned, it may be structural due to large tonsils or adenoids, but you know, the neat thing about agnomi, again, like Dr. Udmani mentioned, like we can take a patient from the very first visit all the way through their treatment through this telemedicine platform, which is unique and really exciting for patients and doctors. Dr. Usmani, I'm going to put you on the spot here, and I'm going to I'm going to want you to tell us a story. Uh, and I know you've been practicing for a while about your most interesting patient, and why that story is interesting. I'm sure is going to resonate to some listener out there. Yeah. I have so many interesting patients who have been diagnosed, but the main thing is, as we have been discussing on this podcast, it is delayed diagnosis. So there is a large proportion of patients who are undiagnosed, unfortunately, because the primary care provider may be too busy to really focus on the sleep part of their patient because they see so many patients a day, you know, 20 to 30 patients. So to sit down and focus on the sleep portion, it's probably easier, uh, you know, to just give some, um, a lot of my patients come with sleeping aids, you know, that they get prescription sleep aids because they just tell their doctor they are not sleeping well. So for uh, me, one of my most satisfying uh, patients are truck drivers. You know, we have a lot of truck drivers who have sleep apnea. And I had this one patient specifically, 
who was so upset when the company sent him to be tested for sleep apnea because he was like no i don't have sleep apnea i this you know i think there is a little bit of a um, reluctance or denial of symptoms you know so whenever the truck drivers come and they have to fill out the questionnaire they put no for everything you know do you snore do you do this even i asked the wives and the wives will turn to me and they will be like oh no no he doesn't snore but when we do the sleep study obviously they do have sleep apnea and this patient totally denied all symptoms before the sleep study but once we set him up with the cpap machine he was so grateful to me and he thanked me because he did not realize what was normal he didn't realize what was normal sleep he thought that what he had was normal and because of his hectic schedule and uh, you know different times that he was able to sleep he just thought that his symptoms were secondary to that so he was like my poster child i used to call him my poster child because once he got started on treatment he told me his life went 360 you know i mean it was like such a dramatic change he said that even the few hours that he sleeps he sleeps so well he wakes up feeling rested he does not have any foggy um, state when he wakes up he's very awake and alert and you can imagine this is a truck driver driving you know such a big semi and of course we would like to have all our truck drivers awake and alert when they drive because we want to avoid all the uh, motor vehicle accidents that happen on a daily basis so he was so grateful to me that i literally had to you know kind of give him a little push please do it i am thinking clinically you do have it treatment is not bad it is totally ex- easy to adapt to and when you notice the difference after you do it i call it the before and the after the <laughs> after is so much improved he was so grateful that i was patient enough and you know kind enough that i was interested enough to push him to do the sleep study others you know some of them they will come and do the consult but then they don't end up doing the sleep study because they want to put it off or due to their schedule they feel like they cannot but this one with agnomy there is no thing the they can schedule the visit they can schedule the home sleep study on a night that is good for them and they get it at their home and they send it back so it is on their schedule which is so nice so i'm sure that the compliance will be great that's a great story and you know i i have a similar one this is one of my first patients almost 20 years ago when i was at gates hospital in the city of buffalo where i i diagnosed a patient i treated him and he came back for his first follow up visit since he was treated and i sent him down in the room and you know the doctors on the panel can appreciate this but he he said to me dr rifkin i don't know whether to thank you or shoot you I said, and, and, and the doctor said you know the like we learn in physical diagnosis with a patient that that's threatening you walk towards the door right and you grab the door handle as you're engaging the patient and talking to the patient so I did that I stood up and I said you know why is that you know we'll call him Mr. Smith why is that Mr. Smith and he said you know what I've had this my whole life I'm 66 years old and I could have been a better father I could have been a better husband, I could have been a better employee. I feel like I've missed out on my life. And I remember even the time of year, it was in the fall and he said this is really the first time I can even remember like seeing the colors of the leaves change. 
I thought that was really interesting for him to say to me. You just become more aware. We've all had sleepless nights, and we know what that's like. But if you have sleepless night after sleepless night after sleepless night, you can imagine what that does to your quality of life. Like we're talking about all these medical problems, and we're all doctors, but like this affects real world stuff and and people's lives and their quality of life. So I'm just I'm happy to have you all here. I'm happy to have you engaged and in, in getting Agnomi, you know, out there and into the world. So. Dr. Saliber Klein, you know, sticking in this real world uh, genre, can you give me a, a real world story with one of your patients? Like maybe how sleep apnea affected uh, their relationship? I mean, I've had patients who I've seen after a divorce, they said, if I would have treated this before my divorce, I probably wouldn't still be divorced, right? So can you think of a story with a I patient? I absolutely can. And I actually like you know, sometimes call them, I, I call myself a marriage counselor. I'm like, my goal is to get you guys back in the same bed because they'll be like, I've been yeah. down the hall and two doors closed and, you know, I miss being with my wife. And so, you know, yes, the irritability during the day is a problem and we can treat that with treating their sleep apnea, but also like to reconnect together in the same bed at night, I think is so important. And so, so that's one of my favorite things is when I can reunite couples. I think the other thing is, you know, the weight loss and the energy and the focus, you know, like the wife will say like, no, he's never listening to me. I can't hardly finish a sentence before he's like, you know, so the falling asleep kind of involuntarily, you, you can't participate. Mm -hmm. You can't, you know, have a nice conversation with your spouse or with your kids. I have an example of one of the patients who like, Every time the child wanted to play something on the floor, like Barbies or something, like the dad would just fall asleep. Like he wanted to play with the child, but he just couldn't. So yeah, the whole family enjoyment and family stability is a huge benefit. And it's one of the things I really appreciate. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> I love that too. I mean, I, I love when they come back and even when they show up with their spouse, but they didn't and the first couple of visits and they thank you. They say, you know, thank you for giving me my wife back or thank you for giving me my husband back. People talk about why you went into sleep medicine. You know, I went into sleep medicine because you know, once I started treating patients and fixing their sleep apnea, I started to get maple syrup, you know, during Christmas time and, and it's like apple, you know, cases. People were giving me gifts as a doctor, like as a neurologist, Dr. Salaver Klein can appreciate this. We treat a lot of disorders that are neurodegenerative and neurologists are super important as healers and helping people through their disease process. But, you know, we don't fix a lot in neurology completely. We, we do now more like with headaches and things like that. But back in 20 some years ago, we didn't. And so when I treated a sleep patient during my residency and we treated their sleep apnea and they were fixed and they came back with a gift, you know, I'm sort of like, wow, this is this is what I want to do. I want to really fix people and, and really change their lives around. So that's really neat. Thank you for that. Dr. Folu, how about you? Like more specifically, have you had a patient that was, for example, overweight and they couldn't get their weight down or they couldn't, you know, they've tried all these different things, but they just couldn't lose weight. And it turned out to be their sleep apnea. And once you treated their sleep apnea, they were able to engage in, you know, the weight loss regimen and even talk about ghrelin and leptin a little bit, talking about how untreated sleep apnea can affect weight. Can, can you think of a story there? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and this was not too long ago. We're talking about maybe about six, seven years ago, where a patient who actually became more than a patient to me, and just like you're talking about gifts, believe it or not, 
the gifts that he has tried to push my way, <laughs> not being just one-time gifts, but gifts that keep giving. So he happened to be a real estate agent. I didn't know that. He came to see me and he'd said how he'd actually had bariatric surgery years prior. And he just could not keep the weight off. I mean, he was morbidly obese. He said whenever he was driving, he would just have to pull over. And he'd had quite a number of fender benders. And so I said to him, you know, we went through the usual, you know, questions for sleep apnea and his appetite was okay. And like Dr. Osmani said, he'd been through a panel, a battery of tests for thyroid and all that. And this thyroid is normal. And I said to him, you know, maybe I could just say his name is M. I said, you know, it might just be something you've not really thought about. You know, did you ever ask your doctor about considering um, sleep apnea based on these answers you've given me? And he said, well, you know, I came up once, but he just kind of blew me off. I said, really? He blew you off? Then I, I kind of said to him, you know, I'm sorry, but I don't think your doctor meant that. He didn't mean to blow you off. He just probably wasn't very conversant with sleep apnea or sleep disorder. And I said, if you don't mind, we will start that process now. We'll get you a sleep study. And he said, okay, I'm all for it. You know, lo and behold, he had a sleep study. He didn't even have severe sleep apnea. He had moderate sleep apnea. And I tell you, once he had his uh, treatment uh, after the diagnosis was formally made, he was telling me, you know, how his quality of life had turned around. Then he came back for his follow-up and said to me, oh, you know, I'm a local real estate agent and I know you may not want, you know, to have anything to do with this, but, you know, I've helped a lot of people get other things uh, done in their lives. I know you're a busy physician and all that. But I'm saying, you know, just to tie in with what you were saying about gifts, I know that ideally there should be no physician-patient relationship, but this man literally hounded me for a year or two saying that, look, I can't repay you enough. I just want you to look into this. I mean, I, you know, know that we have to sometimes declare you know, conflicts of interest. But after a while, when he was very stable with his CPAP machine and was no longer, after about a couple of years, he still reached out to me, found my address, sent me a note. And every so often, he will send me details about a property that he doesn't want to list. He wants me to have the first right. And I have to confess, through this gentleman, I have uh, investment property, you know, and we just became, and so now he, after that, wanted me to take care of other members of his family just from the slip, even those who probably didn't have sleep apnea, he would want them to come see me to check them out for their sleep <laughs> problems. So that's, you know, that's how you can really change some people's lives. And it becomes almost like a, a circular flow that benefits not just a patient, but their family members. And we get a good relationship with a physician. Yes. And so that's one of many uh, examples that I've encountered. That's great. And, and I just want to put a disclaimer out there. You know, when we diagnose and treat your sleep apnea, you're not required to give us a gift. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and if you do, it has to be under 25 bucks or something. I'm sure there's some ethical rule with that. But um, no, it, it, it's just exciting to hear those kind of stories because it's true. You do develop a personal relationship sometimes with these patients because you've made such a difference in their lives and they're forever grateful to you. You know, I had a patient who was excessively overweight and she was a wonderful woman. And it was just this story similar, you know, just couldn't lose weight, tried to exercise, but just was too tired. She just kept eating. And there, there are two hormones, right? There's ghrelin and leptin. These are hormones that tell you when you're hungry and when you're full. And when you have untreated sleep apnea, you feel hungry when you shouldn't and you don't feel full when you should. And it's not that when you treat sleep apnea, 
that it causes weight loss. We know that, and I think that's been shown. But it, it allows you to engage in, the, it gives you a chance to engage in the proper lifestyle changes and things that you need to do to bring the weight down. I mean, although I've had a lot of patients who've lost weight, you know, when we treated their sleep apnea, I've also had some that have gained weight because now that they have more energy, they're up later at night, they're going out with friends, they're going to dinner. So you got to be careful. It's sort of when you, when you diagnose sleep apnea, it's not a weight loss regimen. It just gives you sort of that chance to engage in the, in the proper behaviors. I think there are some, some new studies and some, some new literature that shows that just sleep deprivation alone, which untreated sleep apnea causes leads to weight gain through those pathways. And again, we're going to do deep dives into physiology of sleep apnea and all those kinds of things. I'm sure I'm going to have you all back on again to kind of go into these things in, in greater detail. Um, I know we, we don't have a lot of time left. I, I love the storytelling that you're all doing. It, it's neat to hear that and to hear about you know, patient stories. Dr. Usmani, I'm going to, I'm going to put you on the, and poor Dr. Usmani, I'm always asking her the, the first question. She doesn't have time to, think. <laughs> you know, we, we often think that untreated sleep apnea or sleep apnea is seen in older people. Tell me about a young person that you saw, maybe in your twenties or thirties, because we know that if we treat sleep apnea early, we can make the greatest impact on their cardiovascular health. So if we treat patients early enough, we can prevent high blood pressure. We can prevent heart disease, risk of stroke. So tell me about a, a young person that you saw, how they presented and, and what you did to treat them. So I have had some really interesting uh, patients and, you know, usually they are with their pediatricians, but then once they turn 18 or even 21 in certain cases, then they move on to adult um, sleep uh, physicians. So this patient was typical 21, 22 year old. The main thing was, like we talked about, is atypical uh, manifestations. The main uh, characteristic or symptom that uh, he had was very, very tired and fatigued. And his BMI was only 19, so he was very skinny. And um, I always tell patients that, you know, it can be related to your family history. You can go back and look. Maybe, you know, there were some of your ancestors who had sleep apnea, but since sleep medicine really started only in 1980s, we didn't have much diagnosis in the prior to that. So that patient, he had severe tiredness. Any asking anything about, you know, the typical symptoms, he said, no, I'm, uh, I think what the problem was, he was not able to hold a job. He could not hold a job because he would fall asleep. And this has been going on for a long time. I even thought narcolepsy in him, you know, as a differential diagnosis, but he ended up having severe sleep apnea. And once he started on CPAP, his life changed. So he's in his early 20s. So I felt very happy. And, you know, this is what I call, tell my patients that the follow-up visit is the one I look forward to so much. I get so excited because when they use whatever treatment they are doing, and they come back and we see the after picture where they come walking with a spring in their step and they are all, their face also, have you noticed? The face also looks so much better and brighter, I feel. And uh, the, this young gentleman, he was so thankful, he even hugged me. You know, he said, I know doctor, I'm not supposed to do that. But I said, no, don't worry, I'm your mom's age. So, you know, you can very well... Uh, give me a hug, but he was so, I think because he said he could never hang out with his friends. He could not keep the late hours that they kept or have fun with them because he just couldn't stay awake. But once he got treated, it was amazing the difference that he had. 
and his life changed forever. And I can't tell him lose weight because he was already at a BMI of 19, you know. So I use his example to tell other patients that, yes, there is a smaller proportion, 10 to 15 percent, who are thin, skinny, slender, average weight, who can still have sleep apnea. And if you go back, I usually tell them to check family members for sleep apnea because it's probably um, hereditary familial. I call it familial sleep apnea. That patient was so thankful uh, and his entire life changed. I'm sure that now he has a very good job. You know, like we said, his relationships, uh, you know, because like you, I also call myself a marriage counselor because I have my wife, patient's wives who come in who are so thankful to me that they are finally able to sleep in the same bedroom uh, together. And if they don't use their CPAP, the wife is there to tell them, hey, use your CPAP. You know, they are not only so we affect once we get uh, diagnosed and treated, we affect the entire family. There is, you know, generations who are now educated and who know that this is a treatable disease and not, not something to, you know, uh, thing. And the prevention, we get a lot of patients with stroke. After the stroke, it's hard to, you know, uh, but if they were treated, then it's kind of prophylactic. I always tell patients prevention is better than cure because we don't have cures for a lot of diseases. Yeah, no, that those are some great points. And, and as you were talking, you brought up, CPAP, which stands for Continuous Positive Airway Pressure, which is one of the treatments for sleep apnea. Dr. Saliva Klein, can you talk to us a little bit about CPAP? And, you know, as one of the treatments I now, like we now know there are other ones like oral appliances and even some nerve stimulators for sleep apnea. We have more things in our armamentarium to treat patients, but, you know, CPAP is interesting. So tell us a little bit about CPAP and in your genre as the marriage counselor, tell us some things you've told patients about wearing CPAP and maybe dating or maybe using CPAP in the bedroom and how you can make sure that it's not too much of a I would love to talk about that. I wanted to elaborate for a moment on what Dr. Usmani just said, because talking about the family history, I saw a young person as well, and I was talking to him, and he said that his father, do you think your dad has sleep apnea? He goes, I don't know. My father actually died. He was at work, and he fell down an elevator shaft, and I think that that father fell asleep while he was at work. So, you know, it can certainly be fatal in many number of ways. And I think you're right to kind of look into the family. Was there someone always falling asleep in a chair? And also, I think in terms of the young people, like helping their educational trajectory. So just falling asleep, waiting for the other. (laughs) He was fixing it. (laughs) That is true, though. I, I think you were talking about keeping a job. I've seen kids in college, and I just feel like you change the whole trajectory of their life they're falling asleep in class and they can't do well. And then you change that. And then also with kids, you can work on their facial development if you start their sleep apnea treatment earlier. But so let's talk about CPAP. It's changed remarkably in the many years that I've been doing sleep from like a large thing that was really loud. And we would have people put them in like a cooler, like a styrofoam cooler, you know, as far as you could go and I have like double hoses and it would be quite problematic. And now they're like just small and light and have smaller tubing. And what I have noticed in terms of the relationships with the CPAP is when I see the young men, sometimes they'll be like, oh, I can't be wearing the CPAP. I'm dating. And I'll say, you know what? It's kind of a shortcut to a good relationship because if you are with a woman who does not want you to wear that thing, 
that's not the person for you. You want someone who wants you to have great sleep, who wants your best health. So it's kind of a shortcut. You don't have to waste your time, you know. So don't feel shy about sleeping with your CPAP at night. And similarly with the women, I've had them do some really lovely modifications to their CPAP. They sew a sleeve with lovely fabric or they get what they get different ones to match their different pajamas. So I think it's so important to your health and to your functioning and your quality of life that it really should be a relationship enhancer instead of an impediment at whatever stage relationship you're at. Um, I don't know if you wanted me to discuss basically what CPAP does um, for the rest of people listening is it's basically a um, that's great. I mean, uh-huh. you can. Yeah, why don't, why don't you tell us a little bit about what this okay. does? It's uh, basically, I tell them it's like a blow dryer, but it's on cool setting. So basically what it's doing is holding your throat open. We couldn't put something in that's like physically holds your throat open during the night. So it's a column of air that holds your throat open very gently. And, you know, your throat might be trying to relax and trying to close. And when we get the correct pressure, it just holds it open. So you put it on, it holds your throat open all night, no more sleep apnea. So, and, and the last story is a lawyer who I treated as a young man, and he called in his follow-up visit and he said, I have so much more energy. I don't know what to do with myself. I was like, you're a lawyer, bill more hours. You know, you have the perfect job for that. <laughs> so yeah, CPAP does, does really work wonders. It might look daunting at first. That's great. It works well. Yeah. Dr. Akinuzi, and we're going to end with you, um, with your, your last yeah. story. Tell us a great story about one of your younger patients, uh, that how they yes. presented and yes. what you did to treat them. You know, I'm so glad that I have this opportunity to tie this together, talking about the young patient whose family and CPAP. And I don't know, Dr. Rifkin may not remember this, but, you know, as his fellow, there's some instances that I remember so well. We had this very young lady, she was Afro-American, and she was just in her late 30s. And this kind of brings, I'm sorry, I get a bit emotional because, you know, this is part of what Ognomi is setting out to do, to get these folks who may not even know or those who know but are delaying care. But Ognomi is really trying to expedite and bring this treatment to our patients as sooner rather than later. So we had this young Afro-American lady in her 30s. I remember the room. Uh, Dr. Rifkin may remember. He used to be right across. And I saw this young lady. I was going to go present her and discuss with Dr. Rifkin. And I examined her. And she'd actually been told years prior that she may have sleep apnea. She was slim, actually, not obese. And I can't remember whether or not she had a sleep study at that time, but it seemed like she did. And so when I examined her, she had pedal edema and all that. So I went to talk to Dr. Rifkin and he came back as usual. He would always come back with us and talk to this patient. And this patient, unfortunately, had now slipped into heart failure. And uh, we, you know, got everything going for her there. And then it was actually in that Gates building at the top where the sleep lab was. We got a sleep study for her. And lo and behold, we were able to, I think I remember now she'd had a study before. Now her sleep apnea for some reason had gotten worse. So whereas she may have had mild uh, symptomatic sleep apnea at that time. Now she had severe sleep apnea. She was not obese, I remember. And so we got her set up. And by the time her echocardiogram got done, because we noticed the leg swelling and Dr. Rifkin had said, yeah, let's get an echo. She had gone into 
not just clinical heart failure, her ejection fraction was actually down. She didn't have comorbidities as such, no hypertension. Like I said, she was barely in her 30s, no hypertension, no diabetes. And it turned out her right heart pressure was also high. So guess what? She was suffering a sequelae of untreated sleep apnea for years, now with heart failure and what we will call pulmonary hypertension, which we'll probably maybe do some deep dive into later on. But that really struck me, and it's just a tale. She got on CPAP therapy, and she did so well, but I left Buffalo, so didn't get to follow up. I'm sure someone from Dr. Rifkin's practice did. But again, I think the CPAP therapy began to make a difference in her life. So we're talking of the significance of making a diagnosis early. I felt like if that lady had, you know, maybe followed up with her initial early diagnosis and also early treatment, things may have been different. So we would in the future be using this opportunity to encourage those who may have sleep apnea but not be aware to get tested early and also to begin treatment and follow them up as we like to do on ergonomy to keep. Great. Thank you so much, Dr. Fuller. And, you know, although I don't remember that exact patient because all of us can tell you we've seen so many patients with that same story, right? And it's just, you know, the more people we can you know, diagnose and treat, I think we'll, we're all going to be happy with, with that goal. So with that said, you know, I just first want to thank Dr. Usmani, uh, Dr. Saliber Klein, and Dr. Akinuzi. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for joining the Agnomi platform and for diagnosing and treating these patients. I mean, you're starting a, a revolution in a way, and it's and it, I'm excited to have you as, as part of our team. Now, a lot of our listeners will recognize, like, some of the stories, you know, we had we talked about today. You know, maybe sleep apnea was potentially your problem as you as you listened in. But, you know, just don't hesitate to, to call us or follow us on social media. We're at agnomy.com. That's O-G-N-O-M-Y.com. And that comes from the word physiognomy, which is a Greek term for the diagnosis of facial expression. So we're, it's a play on the whole telemedicine word. But, you know, really reach out to us if you have any questions. And if you do, you'll talk right to Shepa. This is the Counting Shepa podcast. So if you reach out and call us, you'll talk to one of our, our Sheba team and you'll, you'll have your first experience with Agnomi and we hope it's going to be a great one. Now, our next episode is going to come up soon and we're going to talk to a real patient with sleep apnea and I'm not going to let the, the cat out of the bag yet, but it's a really great story. And I touched on it a little bit, a little bit earlier in the podcast, if you were listening. So stay safe out there, everybody. And again, thank you, doctors. Thank you. You're, you're the best for, for taking your time. And we'll see you all soon. Pleasure. Bye now. A pleasure. Have a say, good night. Say, say good night to sleep apnea, everybody. <laughs> good night. <laughs> <That's right. laughs>